This is Drew here, as usual, with my best friend, Derek, and in lieu of Ashley, who is on a much-deserved, much-needed, frankly, vacation, we have a very special guest, my favorite person to watch movies with, returning guest champion, coming in on a motorcycle, <laughs> Jamie. Welcome to New Release. Hello. Thank you for having me. Welcome back, I should say. Mm, thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank it's you, good thank to you, have thank you, you back. You. Welcome to the 90s, to 1990. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Oh. How was your trip? Uh, bumpy. Okay. Yeah, um, that's pretty standard. Yeah. Little explosion-y, perhaps. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I made it through. It's fine. It must have been challenging to go from a trip like that straight into a very traumatic <laughs> movie that featured air travel. Yeah, but, I was you know. <laughs> really reliving some things. It was not fun, but I dealt with it and I moved on and now I'm here and I'm in a great headspace. Everything is cool. That must have been why you loved the movie so much. Um, we're about <laughs> to reveal what we watched. If you haven't read the title of the episode yet, this is new release. Of course, a movie podcast with a little time traveling twist ashley can't take us back in time for guests <laughs> that aren't able to be here in person so derek is going to take us on a journey back to 1990 oh yeah we're strolling through the mall it's packed holiday shopping has started early and then oh boy there it is the smell of fresh popcorn and teen spirit in the air <sighs> uh, yep it's 1990 all right and we're taking you week by week through the best year ever for new movie releases. Set, Set your calendars to July 6, 1990, and join us as we discuss our 26 movies so far from this explosive year. Die Hard. Rated R. Die Harder. You forgot one important piece of information in the name there. Die Hard 2. <laughs> die Hard, Die Harder, baby! Yeah. Fuck yeah. Boop, boop, boop. This one was definitively rated r i don't know if i noticed it when we were watching uh but when i was doing some research i mean i noticed that there was a lot of um f-bombs mm -hmm. um we all <laughs> noticed that for sure but and there was some what the fuck do you mean yeah exactly <laughs> don't hold back there there was a little bit more violence than the first one i don't know did you notice it jamie i think it was perhaps more graphic this yeah. time around um not more but definitely there are some moments that take you by take you by surprise this movie was at one point rated nc-17 or i mean they what? received an nc-17 rating from the mpaa and had to make cuts to get it down to an r rating i assume like Dude, the ratings back then were just wild but also is it because every airport person kept hitting on bruce willis john mcclain like every single just, airplane person yeah so much this sexual too sexy yeah <laughs> that's that would probably explain it it was probably a very uptight not for people's safety or... yeah no no no. yeah was... not for the ice pick going through that dude's eye no no no, no that's fine too we, much we sexy airport action yeah well i personally approve i can't speak for everyone here correct um, i can speak for ashley because we're related and oh that's how that works she would have, yeah she, would have she loves it when you yeah. talk for her i'm sure she's gonna love listening to this yeah well we have to put some <laughs> easter eggs in for her thank you derek um for that journey back to 1990 let's complete the um first phase of our trip by hearing a little clip from the movie your wife's plane they're gonna run out of fuel in 90 minutes <laughs> 
L.A. cop John McLean is back. What are you going to do? Whatever I can. Because old habits die hard. Well, we are just up to our neck in terrorists again, John. On July 4th, Die Harder. Bruce Willis, Die Hard 2, rated R. All right, the movie to ring in America's Independence Day. Lots of explosions. Classic Lots ringing of... in. Is that what? You, is that not what you do? No. <laughs> you just you ring in the Don't New think Year. So, yeah. Just blow blow it away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the reason we are so thrilled. Um, I mean, there's so many reasons, but I'm just going to give one reason. We're thrilled to have Jamie with us tonight. Thank you. Is that you're the biggest diehard diehard I know. Is that fair Ooh. to say? I mean, you don't know all my diehard diehards, but you love it. I, in fact, do. Yes. What's <laughs> um? What's your history with this movie, Die Hard 2, the franchise, and just, you know, explain your, your love for the series? So I am a late bloomer when it comes to the Die Hard movies. <laughs> I, ha- I didn't watch them growing up at all. But when I lived with one of my old roommates, Wesley, he knew I would love them and was always super, super surprised when I said I hadn't watched any. So I've had a conversation with Wesley at least, I want to say 11 times where he would ask me if I'd seen Die Hard and should we watch Die Hard? And I was like, I've never seen Die Hard. We should watch Die Hard. And he would be like, what? You've never seen Die Hard? This happened a lot. He was forgetting or just... He was forgetting. He's yeah. like a little goldfish. Uh-huh. His memory just apparently would not retain the information that I had not seen Die Hard yet. But when it... Uh, there was a time a couple years ago when it played at the Hollywood Theater... And we lived near there. They were doing a big showing of it and they were partnering with a brewery. Hollywood Theater in Portland. Yes. Hollywood Theater, Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Uh, We decided to go to make it my kind of first experience because we thought it would be super cool to see it on the big screen paired with beers. I had like a Hans Gruber dark beer and we watched it and it was fan fucking tastic. (laughs) It quickly immediately became my favorite christmas movie yes it is a christmas movie um and then we bought all of the dvds to the series right after we watched it essentially and started going through them and watching them one by one he has a special soft spot for die hard to die harder because he was wesley does really yeah wesley because he works at an airport he's an airplane man so he (laughs) airplane man he went from baggage handler to being like a man a baggage man man yeah Yeah. no he works in a fancy airplane um scheduling job now with like pilots and flight crews anyway it doesn't matter or no maybe he works with actual planes now doesn't matter someone carries his baggage for him yes exactly he's moved to that position (laughs) um anyway so he has a special soft spot for this movie but it is honestly if i have to say it one of the weaker ones of the franchise but still Wonderful and Die Hard is still obviously one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I mean, how could you not? Well, let me just ask you. you it's hard to answer, but the context that you described seeing the first movie under, you know, that's what's so cool about <laughs> the theatrical experience, about, you know, watching movies with other people, them kind of like introducing you to something. Mm-hmm. All of that really matters. If you had just seen like Die Hard by yourself one day, would there be as big of a gap 
between the first one and the other movies. I mean, a lot of people do hold it up there as like the ultimate action movie, a perfect action movie. So I'm not disputing that, but the more I, you've reexamined it, it still holds up way above the others. Oh yeah. I think yeah. my base level for Die Hard was already pretty high. And then just the experience on top of that really pushed it over the edge for sure. I'm sure okay. that definitely had something to do with it. Um, it was really cool being in the theater, like hearing people react to the movie. And then there was a point where the video cut out for like five minutes, but the audio was maybe still going and people were so mm. stressed out around <laughs> me. It was super funny. It was my first experience. So I was like, okay, I'm assuming something is happening, but I'm not gonna get weird about it. But everyone was like some old school maybe movie theater, uh, yeah because like it was a really good part of the first movie where like yeah. bruce willis and i want to say one of the blonde villains with the long hair uh <laughs> are like beating the shit out of each other anyway um but it was still really cool and just watching them beyond that like i have favorites beyond the first one and those were just uh, like a living room kind of watch you know so right cool i mean that love for the first one propulsed you through the rest of the series and yeah yeah, I um, man, I'm not even sure I had seen the second one until we saw it in theaters together. Um, it was definitely a come down from the first one. Uh, you stole my thunder a little bit in every way with that description. So <laughs> I was well, gonna say to I was gonna say I was late to the Die Hard series, <laughs> but, but it's more that like. I never had anything against it or it just, it's just wasn't an action movie. Yeah. Your first viewing wasn't at my place, right? No, okay. no, but it was like it, uh, my appreciation for it, like with a lot of things that I might not love otherwise has only grown thanks to you. Hmm. Um, and the same He's kind of like contractually uh, obligated, obligated to say that. To yeah, say that, yeah I know. Way. I have a gun pointed to his head. We have the Nakatomi tower candle burning. That oh, might yeah. have come late. I can't remember, um, but but I got you that for Christmas. And um, <laughs> yeah, what was the scent? Good. Evergreen or? It was Christmassy scented. Yeah, was yes. it Skyrise building scent or and that Willis? fresh um, Skyrise yeah. smell? Yeah, yeah. half wife, built. Sweaty wife beater scent, mm. maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, dirty sweaty wife beater. Yeah. Thank Bloody you. dirty sweaty. Mm. But now that's beater. like your Christmas Eve tradition to watch it. Yes, I watch Die Hard every Christmas Eve now, yeah. and it's wonderful, Sweet. and I love it, and I get very excited for that time of year, not for Christmas. Who cares about Christmas? It's Die Hard season. I feel the <laughs> same way about Gremlins, but now I also feel that way about Die Hard no, that's to nice. an extent, thanks to you. I um, don't have any feelings about Gremlins, so. Well, yeah, I tried <laughs> about a year ago, almost a year ago today. Um, we just watched Gremlins 2 last week for the podcast, right, Derek? Yeah, we yeah, did. So, uh, Oh, you don't listen to our podcast, James? I am such a regular listener that they blend <laughs> together, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. one journey we're all going on through Derek, time. I mean, this is, this is a little bit of a curveball because I want to hear about your relationship with the movie too, Derek. But just the drop off from... Gremlins 1 to Gremlins 2 versus the drop-off of Die Hard 1 to Die Hard 2. Where are you at on that? Die Hard 1 to Die Hard 2, less of a drop-off. Okay. Mm. Oh, can I talk about my giant bear real quick? Yeah. What's its name? Uh, So my roommate gave me a giant bear for Christmas last year uh, based on the giant bear that Bruce Willis gives to his kids in the first Die Hard movie. And I named my bear 
uh, Nakatomi Jabero. <laughs> Nakatomi, <laughs> obviously, after the plaza, but also Jabero after Holly Gennaro, the true hero of Die Hard. Fuck yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Man. Maybe one day we can we can have the Holly conversation. Uh, I am ready. And that day they'll have it off. Comping at the bit. Yeah. No, we'll 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 talk about Holly. Um, first, (laughs) I want to talk about Bruce. Um, what's what is it that made you know the quality of the the various sequels? You know, every every movie has a lot of trouble kind of recapturing the glory of the first one. So we're not holding that against him. But I mean. Die Hard comes out in 1988. This one comes out two years later. It's a huge commercial success, actually. It made twice as much money as the first one. Wow. Um, so audiences weren't immediately turned off by what they were seeing. And Bruce was catapulted into action star. I was going to say B-plus tier the other day, but you push back on that so yeah, we'll just say incorrect apparently they've uh, been having some offline conversations yeah, and- yeah. <laughs> we'll just say a tier what's what is it about bruce willis that makes him you know on par with arnold or any of the other you know top tier action heroes of our of our generation what i love about bruce is especially in these movies specifically <laughs> maybe not so much outside of them but he plays this like sort of everyman character that gets thrown into these wild banana situations (laughs) and he's not we've talked about this when it comes to like Dwayne the Rock Johnson one of my favorites uh you are so concerned about the fact that he doesn't look like a normal human being because he's so giant and boulder like there's no way he can yeah. play sort of an everyman character. They try to write him characters that don't acknowledge the right freakishness freakishness of his yeah his physicality and they do that with arnold and they do it with jean-claude van damme where he plays an american a lot and he cannot do or has maybe never attempted to do an american accent it's just never acknowledged but bruce willis fits this like sweet spot of Mm -hmm. being an everyman but still being able to do everything and also just looking relatively normal you know, he had hair the, in this film. Yeah, he had more hair from. <laughs> he looked great from one so to two. It was that seven point five million dollars that he got uh, paid for this movie was maybe um on the top end, the back end. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of the money. back end. I don't, I don't actually want to know what the back end looks um, like. <laughs> no, I, I think that makes perfect sense. He actually maybe I'm thinking of someone else in the first movie when he's wearing the tank top the whole time mm-hmm. i mean i want to say it was meg maybe it was you constantly commenting on his arms it's not like he's it's <laughs> not like he's not a physical right um, no he's a specimen horse. but he's also like not daunting to look oh, at he's not sylvester or arnold yeah. or the rock yeah yeah who he's, are clearly like not a bodybuilder yeah he's just a normal dude who takes care of himself because he's a cop who needs to I mean, are we underselling his um, charisma and personality? He's probably the best actor of any of them, even when given subpar material, um, which we'll <laughs> probably we're going to get into what explains kind of the drop off from one to two. And I think it's basically writing, directing and mm-hmm. all of the, mm-hmm. the key like creative elements. Yeah, the um, guidance of it was but he took notes, but he can deliver a line. He can deliver a oh, one liner. Yeah. In the first movie, apparently he improved the majority of those one-liners. And so that. they just were like, they tried to write him in, I think, in the second one. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. How would you, how would you compare his acting chops? I, I guess that's where we, it's, it's hard for me to appreciate someone like the rocks acting abilities and range because I'm distracted by his physicality. At least Bruce is normal looking enough for me not to be looking at his biceps. Um, mm, but they are nice biceps and they're, they're, they're great. Yeah. Like they're, uh, but they're, they don't distract from his, the words coming out of his mouth. Right. Um, or is he just a better, more natural actor? Than- I won't say that necessarily because the quality, I mean, I'm sure he's great in every movie that he's in and every movie that I love him and he's fantastic, but I know that Bruce Willis also has a lot of like relatively low budget not good films and i'm sure he coasts in them you know yeah i think the drop off between and i'll say it he's great in die hard too but acting maybe i won't even say that i feel like die hard too he's a little more broad in terms of his style like he definitely plays up the big facial expressions Mm -hmm. they were quite big yeah I think that's a direction. It's it's either, I think it's a it's either a choice. Based the on the director, didn't... I feel like it's a direction. Yeah. <laughs> Give um, me all you got. What's his what's his name? Uh Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan, known for such movies as Deep Blue Sea. The best. Cliffhanger, which we Which is also actually pretty good. Really loved. I mean, it's so weird. Like Sylvester. Yeah, we're gonna go on a lot of tangents with the different <laughs> these different action heroes. I just would have never like really maybe that's the reason Die Hard. Um, wasn't like a long time favorite of mine. I've never had a, a a real affinity for Bruce because like, who's your affinity back in the day then? Probably um, Sylvester for the Rocky movies, Arnold mm-hmm. to some extent, but it was probably in that. Yeah, those aren't good acting performances, but they're mm-hmm. like very satisfying formulaic movies. Um, so I don't have to have like the best, best acting to make like a great movie. Correct. No, no. It just depends on how you edit it and stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. But it's almost I just more had to throw it in there, actually, to have the other things in place. And this movie, um, let's just get into it, Jamie. Ooh. Like, what, what's, <laughs> what's worse in this movie than the second one? Before you answer, the parallels are: it's stars Bruce Willis. It stars some of the previous actors. He's his uh, Holly. Gennaro, now Holly McLean. Mm-hmm. Um, was she always Holly's, Holly McLean? Uh, she was Holly Gennaro in the first movie because her and Bruce Willis were separated. Right, so she took they're... back her maiden name. But then uh, at the end of Die Hard 1, she's like, I'm Holly McLean. And now right. she's Ooh, Holly Gennaro yeah. McLean. Yeah, so she's, she's back, but they're separated the entire movie. The parallels are numerous. It's set on Christmas. It's set mostly over the course of one day, one location. Um, they've swapped Nakatomi Tower for um, Dulles Airport, mm-hmm. I want to say, in, yep. in Washington, D.C. International Airport. Um, thank you. <laughs> but so what's the what's the problem here? Oh, it's the dialogue. hundred million percent. It's the dialogue. It's what? very, very bad. Oh, man. What's uh, bad about it? What's bad is what's good about it. <laughs> There's that to be said for sure. That is a different interpretation. Uh, depends on what you're looking for in a movie. You're talking to a very snobby film viewer in Jamie here. She could not possibly appreciate a so bad it's good style 
movie. How dare you? One of wait, my favorite wait, no. movies is the Pink Panther starring Steve Martin. So maybe settle down. That's what you're going to go to. Not yeah. Oh, not Paul, Paul Blart. Blart. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, what those the are fuck? also some of my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. This is a reverse roast. I do not like that I fell for this trap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the snobby, pretentious film viewer, but there is a, there is no, there is a case to be made. Like if you don't bring your uh, DH1 baggage to claim to this movie, then it then, could be like a fun, yeah. silly movie for sure. That is a hundred percent true. Yeah. But because I am just loaded down with that baggage from the first movie. <laughs> so my other favorite thing about this movie, if that's, if that's what we're going to do is, um, <laughs> When the bad guys take over the church, they um they every time anyone gets shot in this movie, they it goes into slow mo. They fly back twenty feet, but that's just your standard action movie um, bullet stuff. Uh, they clear out all the pews and uh, with a few pew pew pews, and <laughs> they set up a very advanced um, makeshift control tower, complete with this like light bright style wire contraption that mm -hmm. is mimicking the like flight patterns and like jamie i mean i was he could not I was stop talking about it, it was so cool that's that's like that's one of my favorite so. things about these like early 90s movies is the the technology like the giant computers they showed and um the big celly cell cell devices yeah 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 they're the portable Nards, that is something too, whatever they were consider microwaves um fax machines mm -hmm. choice oh. bit of dialogue yeah your favorite the, bit of dialogue I, i'm just here for the facts ma'am yeah yeah just the facts, for the facts yeah <laughs> um i don't know so we've We've picked on a few things about the movie, but were there any were there any things you loved about this, Jamie? Yes. Oh, okay. That sounds intriguing. <laughs> no, I mean I love that uh Holly Gennaro is in it. She's my favorite character, and I'm glad she came back. Very and beautiful. she seems happy in it, aside from being on a plane that's about to, you know, crash. We haven't talked about great. the plot whatsoever. That's... If you oh, want yeah. to kind of explain the two parallel. Oh Lord. Okay, so the on. plot is silly <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> the plot yes. is uh John McClain is at the airport ready to pick up his wife, Holly. He's Gennaro, mended their relationship. McLean, yes, they are together again. from the first movie. They've Come fixed on. everything. He even has become a Los Angeles police officer. He's a detective now in the LAPD versus when he worked for the NYPD at the beginning of Die Hard 1. So he's picking her up from the airport and he notices some shady doings hmm. where... I don't know if we can talk about this, but I want to. Back they what, have spoiler the bad alert? guys. Yes. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Bad guys. Spoiler really alert. Spoiler, talk about whatever you want. Can spoil the first the, scene of the movie. The bad guys in the movie have this very dramatic sinking of their watches and their times <laughs> moment. It lasts for like too long and is super funny because, I mean, it's outdated for sure. But also, like, there are so many pauses between them sinking, like being like, Yep, I got this. And then the next guy's like, Yeah, I'm sync too. It's like, 
get an, get an Apple Watch, bro. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. Get it together. Anyway, uh, so he notices get some shady doings. Watch. They're pretending like it's Christmas activities, but he notices them being sketchy, follows them into this plot, which eventually is eventually revealed to be the bad guys have essentially taken over the airport technology for landing of airplanes in order to land a specific airplane where a drug kingpin is being transported to America to face trials. He's being extradited. Extradited, yes, thank you. He's being extradited to face uh, charges about being like, oh, I'm the king of all the drugs, cocaina. Um, And then they take over this entire airport to get this one plane down to secure this one single prisoner to get him out. It's super convoluted and doesn't really make sense. And John McClane, Bruce Willis keeps inserting himself into it because his wife is trapped in the air. All of the airplanes trying to land in the airport are trapped because the airport systems have been taken over by terrorists. So it's John McClane versus terrorists again. Yes. And the, the entire reason is just uh, for that drug plane to be able to take off. One single human person I, who is being guarded by yeah. one guard in the plane and two pilots. They somehow needed to kill an entire plane full of people and also take over an entire airport. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, make I'm sense. not gonna. I'm not gonna the say church. that was the most concise synopsis. Because <laughs> yeah, you want to do better. Take no, two. Go. No, no, no. I mean, because you actually followed the plot of the movie as it was laid out which led me to believe while i was watching the movie that there must be more to it like they must be trying to commandeer an entire passenger 747 plane full of cocaine full of drugs yeah Yeah, like not just one person that's the easiest way to sneak one person out of the country and if you dive into the the research of this movie i mean if you dive into the deeper channels of reddit people will, will be quick to point out all the the logistical inconsistencies with you know planes from other airports are required to have an emergency channel open so they would be able to monitor all the communications from the bad guys to the good guys um i don't give a shit about that it was just uh, very convoluted but what they what they did is they split holly up on one of the planes once again I guess we're going to do this, like kind of making her and the emotional stakes for our hero, Bruce. I couldn't agree with you more that she's a badass and competent and um, improvises and does as much as she can. I just feel like the the scripts in both cases kind of use her to manipulate the feelings of our hero. Agreed. I will not fight you on that. Uh, but the <laughs> fact that Holly Gennaro is ultimately so much more because Bonnie yeah. Bedelia, right, is the actress. She's phenomenal and she just owns it and makes it so much that she doesn't play a victim is the theme. Yeah, it's so true. easy to play her as a victim, but she's not. She's so cool and so like smart and just cool headed and knows what she's doing and she could play it panicky like other people might but she doesn't she's like i am a badass bitch from the moulin rouge and i will not (laughs) deal with this your nonsense your male ego nonsense i will do my own thing and i will survive and everything will be fantastic i will tase you yeah if i have to (laughs) also form 
beautiful friendships with the flight crew the female flight attendants the best part of the movie is the like release like low-key friendship she builds with the flight attendants and it's really great because they are just so mean to one of the characters and it's very funny and i love it where did the taser come from didn't some old woman yes older woman so the movie sort of opens yeah the movie sort of opens with a parallel to the first die hard which is John McClane in the first movie is talking to the person sitting next to him on the airplane and he is obviously nervous and the guy next to him tells him, hey, you know, what's a great way to like kind of reground yourself is take off your shoes and curl your toes into the ground, make you feel so much better. And then that kind of carries throughout Die Hard, the first one, obviously, because he's not wearing shoes. He does it when he's at Nakatomi Plaza because he's so uncomfortable with the situation. He's actually an elf. <laughs> that's how he keeps his toes curled yeah anyway you want to sit in that <laughs> i want to sit in it i want to just really curl my toes in it uh so he isn't wearing shoes for most of the movie he's barefoot and then that becomes a plot point anyway the second movie opens with holly Gennaro on an airplane sitting next to this old woman who kind of impromptu lead doesn't there's no real reason she talks about it but she does she talks about how she moved from having mace on her at all times to this fancy new taser in her purse and she shows holly and holly's like oh okay lady and then later holly like reaches into the bag grabs the taser to tase a son of a gun who sucks what happened to the, this woman's dog that she tested on? Oh, my God. I, I also. OK, so the old lady who is like, I'm an old lady and I moved from Mason to this newfangled taser and I needed to test out my taser. So I tased my little baby dog. <laughs> And didn't, Holly obviously didn't walk like right for a week. Crazy. I thought yes. she said didn't move, did, died for a week. Or died something. for a week, yeah. But she <laughs> yeah. said like limped for a week. The yeah. little dog limped for a week. So this oh thing's powerful. God. Yeah, so it's a powerful taser. And also this old lady is crazy. You should not tase your yeah. dogs. PSA. There are The there more are, you know, don't tase your dogs. There's a few movie tropes um, that tell you when you're in a hardcore action movie or R-rated movie. It's don't <laughs> hurt a kid, don't hurt an animal. This movie, um, 230 people die in one of the plane crashes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Bruce, I believe they died the harder. Yeah, oh, they died pretty fucking hard. Um, it was a nice snowpack. Bruce um, finds a charred teddy bear. Like they imply the death. Oh, there were definitely of kids on board. Kids, yeah. on the plane. It's weird. I, I didn't feel like we were watching an r-rated movie i mean aside from all the fucks um which were like comically it's not like when you're watching a tarantino movie or the big lebowski and it feels like it's part of the character because the dialogue in this movie was so unnatural Mm -hmm. the fucks didn't even blend in with the conversation it just Mm -hmm. was like sometimes there'd be two in the same sentence sometimes (laughs) one character would just like not use them and then string a bunch along like every character would say fuck like it it yeah it didn't it wasn't like the dude just like casually working it in so the thing that was interesting um derek i think we might have a clip from the uh confrontation at the end and then i'll describe what we're hearing after we play it too bad mclean i gotta like you oh. 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 
suspended in front of the motor, man. All right, so we we talked about the ice pick death, which was kind of kind of graphic. They do show an ice pick going straight through someone's eye. Yeah. In this scene, we see a lot of. I mean, in, in other scenes throughout the movie, we see a million people getting shot up. What what do you do? Um, this final fight between John McClane and the dude who kind of like reveals himself to be working with the bad guys um, in a sweet double cross scene where he slits this guy's throat on a plane. It is actually um, very Bruce chases him down in a helicopter as one does lands on the wing of the plane, pulls him out of the safety door, I guess, and um, <laughs> fights him. And then uh, tells him, as you just heard, I've got enough friends. And he slips down, <laughs> tries to catch himself just above the jet engine on the side of the wing and gets sucked in and spit out the other side. Yikes. It's kind of like a meat grinder, kind of like a meat grinder and a blender at the same time. It was, it was awesome in theory, but apparently Remy Harlan got his start. I should have looked, dug deeper into his filmography. He got his start in like low budget horror. So he was trying to bring some of those like campy horror elements into this movie, apparently. Um, and you could see the makings of a beautiful, gory death right there, but that's they either they either filmed some of this and cut it out, or they just didn't have a chance to film it because it was too. The apparently the production on this movie was a nightmare with them trying to chase snow all over the country. <laughs> First they were going to film in in Denver. It was there was a heat wave there. Then they went to <laughs> Washington State. It got too hot there. And then they just ended up back in LA using paper and fake snow for, for the majority of the scenes. When they actually filmed the snowmobile chase towards the end, there was a blizzard that shut down production wherever they were. So they couldn't even use the real snow. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. That they, During that, they that, that sequence, though, like they were on, they were going through like half water, half ice. Yeah, because they went snow. over that weird. But it was supposed to be all snow. Lake. Oh, you mean in the, the was, snowmobile sequence? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what he just said. The The lake Thanks. was half frozen <laughs> or whatever. It was super. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Well, they wanted it to be. Yeah, they were snowmobiling around. They wanted it to be like seem like they're gonna fall through. But then that never actually comes into play. So it's like, why bother? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, no matter how cold it is somewhere, there's always dangerous spots if you're snow (laughs) snowmobiling over a lake. I would assume. Probably. Uh, Yeah. Um, Did we cover all the highlights from the movie? Is there anything we missed, Jamie? (laughs) We're going to come back um, towards the end and talk about kind of our final thoughts on the movie. But um, was there anything else you wanted to point out before we go into your special segment? Hmm. Um, Bruce Willis is still pretty darn hot. Holly Gennaro still has big hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The action is okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think that's there's a lot of it it's hard too with this i think what about the cop like we forgot to talk about oh, the dude from my NYPD god Blue. god that was probably the one of the biggest problems so annoying, dude. the fact that all over the place i mean it happened in the first one too but this one this time it happened on like a three to four times bigger level 
is that there were like antagonists. We talked about this. There were antagonists within the good guys portion of the film. And it really just didn't make any sort of sense. And it was very irritating to watch. Yeah, exactly. Like you already have a, you already have murderous terrorists taking mm-hmm. over, killing people at a church and, and um, setting up this elaborate plot. And so why do you, yeah, it's just, it was, he was redundant. And so I, I think I brought up, like we've watched a bunch of the Eddie Murphy movies where he's fighting against system, uh, systemic uh, racism within the police department and within like, you know, it makes sense that like his enemy is actually from within and this enemy in this movie, the enemy was very much <laughs> the terrorists yeah. and the, the <laughs> drug smugglers. And yet he still needs to have this annoying obstacle internally. The guy was just like, we know that Bruce Willis's character, John McClane is such a, so right the whole time. There's no, there's no drama. There's no denying it. Yeah. So that was just, just obnoxious. It's um, Carmine Lorenzo. Yeah, we actually we do have one more clip where he gets put in his place, which if if you want to play that there. Jeez, McLean, you all right? You want a medic? McLean, what the hell you think you're doing out there? I'm playing John Wayne. How'd you like to spend the rest of the night in a cell? Lorenzo, shut the fuck up and do something <laughs> useful. Go see him off the street. Hey, you can't talk to me like that. Oh no, Carmine. Sergeant, get this bureaucrat out of Mr. McLean's face. Now. With pleasure, sir. Major. Yeah. This is when Bruce Willis has the most intense of uh, facial expressions during the entire movie. What's What's ironic about that is the dude who's sticking up for him is the dude who's about to slit his hundred percent betray. Neck and yeah, he's, he's going to have to fight, but he is right in everything he says. There, that guy is being <laughs> a fucking moron yep. and uh, a bureaucrat for no reason. And it's a family trade, apparently, because the movie sort of opens with his brother-in-law also being a twat to John McClane. Yeah, I actually really appreciate what you pointed out about the um, the thing with the toes curling, despite my elf joke, because I didn't uh, I didn't get that when we were watching the movie that that was a callback to the the first one. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Um, You're so welcome. Yeah. John, has anyone ever else ever noticed John McClane, John Wayne, aside from the character in the movie. So, I mean, maybe a few people noticed because they wrote it into the script, but there's something there. No. Okay. Well, yeah, Jane, I, I can see James's expression. She says definitely no. All right. Well, in lieu, think. Of, in lieu of Ashley's Poetry Corner, um, I know everyone's going to miss it this week, but we have something very exciting in its place. We have... James's drinking rules. Hello, thank you for having me. This is very important to me because during movies, I like to drink because I have a problem. So (laughs) with movies, it's easier to drink when you have rules established. And oftentimes there are four rules is often a good number to have. So with Die Hard 2, Die Harder, the rules for drinking are drink anytime there is airplane stuff. This includes being on an airplane, airplanes <laughs> crashing, airplane technology. Just drink anytime it happens. Rule number two, drink anytime an F-bomb drops. So they're like we talked about before, there are a ton of just fucks. Can you just- Google this, Derek? 
Well, how many? How many fuck bombs? Yeah. How many? I want to say Big Lebowski is number one. Some Tarantino movies are up there, but I'd be curious. I don't think it's in like the top fifty. Well, well is it? So those are in like two fifty. This one, I would say, the is, first, the first had fifty. The oh. second had uh, sixty-three. Okay. Okay. Well. So f bombs. Yes. Anytime someone says fuck, uh, it seems like that'll happen sixty-three times. Rule number three: drink anytime there is a callback or a character introduction from the first movie. So you will have had to watch the first to die hard, but once you've seen it, you'll pretty much recognize anything that happens in the second movie that feels parallel or is just straight up like, oh, you're dealing with the terrorists again, John, when he talks to himself in an air vent, like you'll see it. Um, And then rule number four is when this ties into everything we've been talking about mm. when John McClane gets unnecessarily roasted for no reason by every other character. Oh, right. Like Carmine. Yes. Where they come at him for being like, get out of here, guy. You don't belong here. You're just an idiot. And it's like, he's the only one taking things seriously. I, I know ex- I'm going to have to stop you. I know exactly how he feels right now. I feel <laughs> wow. like that's what y'all yeah, have been doing to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you feel like I've been unfairly roasted, then take a drink. Everyone's going to be very sober. You know, quick recap. Yeah. Of the rules. Planes, fucks. Mm-hmm. Callbacks. Callbacks and roast, roastings, unnecessary yeah. roastings. Yeah. Kind of like when John McClane can't get a roasted turkey for Christmas <laughs> because he's always stuck fighting terrorists. <laughs> he's like, can I just have one normal Christmas? Do I have to get roped into another terrorist plot and where I'm just trying to travel? That's uh, rule number three, a callback. Exactly. So drink. Oh, look at us coming full circle. I think it's time to take a quick break from our discussion of Die Hard 2 while we turn our dials to NR90 for new release radio. This is where we give you a taste of what's happening this week, back in 1990, starting with a hit tune. Love you, just lying smiling in the dark, shooting stars around your heart, dreams come bouncing in your head, pure and simple every time. Now you're crying in your sleep, I wish you'd never learn to weep, don't sell a dream, you should be keeping pure and simple every time. The song you just heard was not The Cure or The Smiths. It was Pure by Lightning Seeds, moving up eight spots to number 39 on the Billboard Top 100 for the week of July 6th, 1990. The box office report is snowy with a chance of die fucking hard too. <laughs> die fucking harder. Um, 21 million for our number one movie this week, Die Hard 2. Um, Days of Thunder, our movie from last week, which I skipped right over earlier when we were talking about Gremlins 2. It's still hanging okay. in there. Dick yeah. Tracy is actually really hanging in there. Um, I don't even see... Uh, there's Gremlins 2 down at number nine. We actually skipped another new movie that came out this weekend. Jetsons, the movie. Like the cartoon? Was it a cartoon? The 1990 the Jetsons? Jetsons movie? Jetsons, well, the movie? Is it based movie. on the cartoon? Is my Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. You guys remember doing the Jetsons theme song in order to flip someone off? How'd it go? 
Or well, is it a visual thing? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. You would sing the theme song and kind of bounce between your knuckles. Mm -hmm. And then you would eventually land on your middle knuckle and it would be Jane, his wife, and you would be flipping someone off. That's amazing. I used to watch that cartoon as a kid. I didn't realize but there was a movie. Y'all don't remember the movie. No. Adaptation. Zero no. percent. No. No. I would have been. Well, it didn't make a big splash at the box office. Six months. The movie. And it's summertime, so Coming that's a big Coming in at deal. number four with five million. <laughs> um, that's it for this week's box oh, office report, perhaps. I'm, can I? I'm, oh, for the box office report. Never yeah. mind. Keep going. Do you have a two live crew question or something? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I recently found out who they are and they seem like cool dudes. Yeah. Or not. I don't know how age has treated them. <laughs> so I think now it is time for everyone. Absolutely everyone. Everyone on the planet. Everyone <laughs> listening to the podcast. Everyone. Yeah, baby. that's everyone on the planet, though. Yeah. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> Segment. Segment. <laughs> Rank the blank. Pew, pew, pew. Oh. It's a moment of truth. You're giving it all. Standing alone. Willing to fall. So, this is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. This week's topic, action franchise with four plus movies. So, Obviously, Die Hard has a, what, five movies? Yeah, five. five movies. So it fits the criteria. And we're going to exclude uh, superhero movies. Um, so none of the Marvel stuff. We're going to exclude, you might want to call Star Wars an action movie or Lord of the Rings an action movie, but those are pretty definitively in a different genre. So we're not counting, we're not counting The Hobbit. <laughs> we're not counting Harry Potter. Um, and we're certainly not counting Spider-Man, unfortunately. Um, but we do have some other honorable mentions that we didn't pick. Derek, would you like to read them? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> so we have Lethal Weapon 1 through 4. Oh. Ooh. If you're a 90s baby or your dad's cool, you'll know this. <laughs> Uh, the Born Identity movies, or just Born. If you take the identity out, that's why it goes past four. <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible. And maybe it should be uh, plural, like Mission Impossibles. Sure. James Bonds, Jack sure. Ryans, Dirty Harrys, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Uh, that one. A lot of dudes just going on adventures. <laughs> you could almost put the James Bond and the Mission Impossibles kind of in their own category, but we counted those. Uh, but we didn't pick them. Yeah. So for our final four, four, we've got the movie, the movie uh, franchise, the list, Die Hard, one, one through five. five. Jamie, Jamie what? what is your nominee going to be? Oh, baby, it's very <laughs> topical. <laughs> it's about family. It was amazing. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Can you do that again? Let's let's hear the the depth of. It's amazing. It's about them. It's about family. Right. It's about my boy Paul Walker, who God is damn it. Actually, I'm gonna pour some out on Truth Floor. And it, I I will never recover from this, but I will stick still make movies i did not well, know yeah. we had marlon brando with us uh i would put more uh cotton balls in my mouth <laughs> if it were marlon 
Uh, Sounds so horrible. So my pick for best franchise overall of an action movie, if you should guess it, which I don't know how you couldn't have because that was a very good Vin Diesel impression, is uh, the Fast and the Furious franchise topically as F9 just came out last week. For me, one of our favorite action heroes, one of our most trusted, reliable, um, suave, uh, unproblematic action heroes <laughs> to date and when this movie came out. Um, actually, Charlize Theron, the star of Mad Max. Woo, woo. <laughs> Fury Road. Uh, She's a Fast fucking the badass, eight? dude. Yeah, yeah. So the Mad Max movie is obviously woman. the first three um star mel gibson but the reason this is uh the reason i went with this is because usually when there's a giant gaffe and they jump back in and they try to reboot a franchise a la robocop it just falls completely flat in this case um the dude who made the original ones george blanket on his last name um made (laughs) the the remake as well or made the follow-up you know, the much uh, delayed follow-up to the original trilogy. It is an incredible achievement in filmmaking. It's a visual spectacle. It's a sound. It's the ultimate theater movie. I saw it twice in a row in theaters because I went with one friend and then another friend of mine had an extra ticket the sec- the next night. So I saw it the, the two days in a row and it's just a fucking uh, thrill ride all the way from start to finish. And I think we're in better hands now that um, Tom Hardy has taken over the Mel Gibson character and Charlize, I think has her own Furiosa movie coming out soon. So um, this franchise is very much alive. What? She's just not in it. What do you mean? Her character's in it. She's just not in it. She's not in Furiosa? No, it's like... Oh, it's her. It's it's the the character, just not her. Oh, Okay, so here's my thing. I was about to just say that you got to apparently state your case during your spiel, but I did not. No, you- uh, yeah, Charlize is not. She is in Fate of the Furious, which is the eighth Fast and the Furious movie because there are eight, nine, slash, if you don't count Hobbs and Shaw, then it's nine, but like technically sort of 10 Fast and the Furious movies. And also she's not in the new one. I think it's like, who's that girl Helen that's super... Miriam popular right now the queen's gambit lady uh anna taylor joy she might be the new furiosa because it's about that character's past cool i want to say anyway sorry that's the feature that that makes sense it's a um (laughs) it's it's i was just making sure i had the right the right actress for the the movie Mm -hmm. um no those are uh, it's gonna be tough to choose between those two because they both kind of like had improvements in the franchise as they've gone on i mean the fast franchise is so expansive if we're going to go by volume then you have a strong argument but also luckily we still have derek's choice yep. so let's okay. let's save it yeah yeah i'll save it um derek how do you all like air and how do you all like butts and how do you all like dogs oh no <laughs> oh you said butts first of all <laughs> air bud 12 original Airbud films. <laughs> that dog must have made some money. Uh, they have to be, it has to be an action franchise. Need us, we remind you well, of the, 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 
There was um Treasure Buddies. That's action. Space Buddies. I assume that's a Goonies. That's four. That Drew's gonna read through the titles and debate what's action. Yeah, let's go. So, uh, welcome to what is actiony in terms of Airbud. It's a sports movie franchise. Airbud spikes back. That's volleyball. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a sports Sports. movie. Uh, That's fair. Shout out Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) We miss you, Ashley. Well, then I guess I'm going to just retract myself from this week's rank. Rather, rather than blank. going with term, the Terminator franchise, you pivoted to Airbud. What I'm, what I'm excited about is making Jamie choose between her favorite children. Have you seen the Mad Max movies? I'm not calling you out. I just don't even know. No, I haven't. I yeah. have no. No, that's not calling yeah. me out if I don't have a. Um, yeah. And the original ones are, you know, pretty dated. Some of the special effects, or they're not really special effects. It's, it's still a lot it's of more practical. Yeah. In the original, I mean, or in the new one as well. It's they're 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 fun movies. I definitely um, wanted to at a certain point, and then it was hard at yeah. a certain point to want to rewatch Mel Gibson movies. When he's so like actually likable, I hear you on yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah, then sure. his Conflict. real life persona hates. Jewish people apparently so it's not like fun to revisit that stuff uh, so yeah. I've had a hard time really like wanting or needing to go back there but I have heard I also this is sort of more of a like a divisive thing uh, I have not seen the Charlize Theron yeah, you, Mad Max no movie reason not to watch that one. I know you can't we're not going to have really like an argument over Mad Max versus the two things that you both you love the fast the fast franchise I and do. the Die Hard franchise. I do. So let's start there. Mm-hmm. Um, fast or hard or both? Hmm, fast and hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's my thing. Yeah. Die Hard <laughs> One is always going to be one of my favorite movies. Die Hard 3 okay. mm-hmm. is also going to be one of my favorite movies. When it comes to uh, like averaging out because Ooh. of the quantity of Fast, yeah. the Fast movies, I will say that I would choose that franchise over because with Fast, they only get better as they go on and Die Hard goes through dips and ups the opposite of chips <laughs> yeah but die hard i think goes through uh more lows than highs and i think fast and the furious franchise starts low but then only gets higher and higher and higher so i don't have to agree with james because this is her decision but i'm following and i no, agree I, I i don't get i mean nobody really likes that much i mean any of the after die hard three People are kind of like, eh, okay, it was fine. Um, no. So those aren't great. Mad Max, I mean, the only reason that one is a strong contender, I'm going to say, I, I honestly think Mad Max is ahead of Die Hard. I'm not going to say it's ahead of of Fast. Fast has both mediocre to good quality and the most quantity. And I agree, the trajectory is mostly straight up to the moon. Unlike Dogecoin, unfortunately. I, I think, are, are we all in agreement that it's fast first? Mad Max second? Or is that contentious? No, it's all right. Uh, I mean, because Die just... Hard is just, it's, it's, it's two good movies. I Absolutely. think there's some charm to four. 
Yeah, but it's like from what you know about the reputation of Fury Road, I mean, like Fury Road's a masterpiece. So I think that has been more consistent than Die Hard. Okay, Agreed. that's fair. Fast wins. Fast is all about all right. family. Thank God. That's, that's all. all I'm worried about. We don't Air need Drew winning again. Out of contention. So, yeah. Disqualified. Jamie, Jamie congrats. Oh, you win. Thank you so much. Uh, now, back to our feature presentation. I shall ask myself, what have you been hearing from people at the mall this week about Die Hard 2 the entire time that we've been at the food court since we left the movie? And now I can go back to my normal voice. So what I've been hearing is that people actually kind of like it. Um, Maybe over the course of time, enthusiasm will wane. But friends of mine, such as... Raj, Mr. Roger Ebert, <laughs> said oh, that this film, this sequel was, quote, terrific entertainment. However, other critics, such as John Boyer of the Orlando Sentinel, said that this film was about as disappointing as another 48 hours in RoboCop 2. Oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. Calling you guys out directly. Oh, God, yeah. dude. Which yeah, RoboCop 2 is also a pretty steep drop off. Maybe they should have said Gremlins too. Uh, Jay did not mention Gremlins exactly. So yeah, at least um, at least he has some sort of taste. <laughs> this movie, as far as I can tell, any awards and isn't going to win any awards. Shit. But I am very excited to hear if you approach someone in a mall. And they're like, what have you been up to? And you're like, I just saw Die Hard 2. And they're like, oh, cool. Should I see it? Jamie, what are you going to say to them? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think I know what you mean. For my recommendation, I'm also on on the sure train or plane or automobile (laughs) wagon. Um, No. It is not a disappointing movie. Like when you're in there, when it's rolling, when you're trying to escape the theoretical 115 degree temperatures outside, mm. a good Christmas movie on the 4th of July weekend is exactly what America needs. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of how many flaws it has overall, good, clean, dirty as fuck entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. So, uh, what are we going to score it on a scale of one to 90? I'm going to start. Okay. The fake guns that are in the film that you film, they had, yeah. But in the film, they had fake they had they guns had blanks. with blanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had real rounds. They had explosions. Easily giving this 80. Bruce. Um, Bruce so, with hair. And you guys can hash it out from that's, here. That's actually interesting. So, yeah. We, we peaked so far with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at 89 out of 90. House Party, yeah, baby. 84. Pretty Woman at 81. So this would put it just outside of that coveted top three position. But we haven't had a movie in a while that's even cracked the top you know, five. So... Yeah. Uh, Ooh, side out. Jamie for um, Total Recall 77. Yeah, I, honestly... Side I, out I 75. Think- 
Like that's Ashley's speaking, fave. Speaking of Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn, Bird on a Wire at 79. That's that's that is the I feel like that is the line. Is this more Bird 90s on the line. than Bird on a Wire? I have to say yes, and I'm sorry. I think 80 might be fair. I Jamie? think Side Out might pop. Based on out not of the having top. watched that other movie, yes, I would agree that this well, one is more. Well, so based on Pretty Woman at 81. It's wild that uh, I feel like Pretty Woman is more than Ninja Turtles. No. Oh, okay. I feel Good. like it's almost timeless in terms of mm. it could be from like 84 on to 95. You know what I mean? Like it's like it so, could span a decade. It's, almost. So it's a respectful movie, but it like <laughs> does it in. Does it make you think of the 90s? No, no. And I think it should so, because I Pretty think Woman's it's a, like out. a. Huh? Like a like a kind of like a. Well, that's, we're not kicking movies out. A big nineties oh, movie. We're I feel like that's very much. Julia Ashley's Roberts' not here. heyday was the nineties, so I feel yeah. like and it's Richard always Gere going and... to have that with it. But like in terms of plot slash, I don't know technology. If that's in it, like no, it feels I, like it's timeless almost in a way. I, I but it's also kind of the prototypical rom com that kind of set that template in motion for the rest of the decade. I mean. I'm sure it didn't it didn't invent yeah, it, but it but wouldn't it's... be out of place in the 80s either. I don't feel like no. that's the problem with our ranking this year is that we're on the, the cusp of two decades. So right. if it's the, the other thing I would have never known about Pretty Woman um, is that like already this year, since it came out in March or whatever, three or four of the songs from the soundtrack have been on the Billboard Top 100 list. Oh, like, good for so Pretty Woman. Like a pop culture. She's a pretty woman walking down the street. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very comfortable, though, with putting it, sandwiching it between um, Julia and Goldie. Um, sure. I just feel damn. like the technology. So that would be 80. Yeah. There you go. I Done. think that's 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 fair also this bristles is, with hair it gets points for being as like we're what we're learning about the year 1990 is that sequels are big mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the this is the decade that like 80s spawned a bunch of ip before you know we were using that that terminology and around 1990 they were just looking for any opportunity they could to make more uh of of those so this one was organic because it came two years later, but still, yeah, it gets it gets points for that. It gets points for Bruce. It gets points for the just like Holly Gennaro's hair. The hair, yeah, fucking explosions, the explosions. and fucking use of the fucking fuck word. Mm-hmm. Yep, fuck. very nice. F word, sorry. Fuck. Very Reservoir Dogs. Yep. Yeah, very, very Pulp Fiction. Yep. Um, well, well, cool. We have a that's exciting. We have a new um entrant into our top five at least. So. So what are we going to include in the new release gift shop? We have we to give Jamie do, the first crack at this. Uh, just to give everybody a heads up, we have a gift shop yep. for this podcast. Got this it. is how we sustain the podcast is right. through merchandise. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have the Gizmo tape player with matching headband. So that's pretty cool. Also, Red October bath bombs. You just buy it and see what happens. Have you ever wanted to take a bath and have the water turn blood red? Yes, always. I mean, I'm a lady, so. (laughs) 
So the Jamie. point is I get to include an item within the gift shop, right? Yeah, yeah. Good news, I actually have an item in mind. A Christmas tree ornament based on the Christmas release of the plot of the movie, not the date. Um, and it is John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, and he is in an air vent, like an air duct holding a gun and he's wearing a shirt and he looks very stressed out. And that's like a little, little bitty Christmas ornament. The duct is around him. So like a square silver okay. thing around him, but he just All looks right. super stressed out in a silver square, essentially. I mean, so you want to imprison Bruce and put him on your tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. All, All right. right. It's sad that, this week's episode is coming to an end. We have to discuss first what we're going to watch next week. Just so happens to be the, we already know this because we're from the future, the biggest, the hottest, the most spiritual movie of the year. Take it away. Ghost. Oh Sorry. About the time we watch this film, I've this in a couple of other previous episodes. An experience to share, a movie to remember. Ghost, you will believe. So, next week, Patrick Swayze, to me more. Is it to me? Yeah. To me. To me. Patrick and Ghost. And Whoopi. And Whoopi, of course. Making Whoopi. It's it's funny. We'll, Making... we'll, we'll talk about it next week. I don't even need to say anything else. So if you want to hear more about Ghost and all the exciting movies to come in 1990, then subscribe to the new release podcast by searching that very word, new release on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you get podcasts. James? Bye! Woo!